imagine you were surging on the ship, you were seeing pretty horrible things. One trip, 1,400 people out of 1,900 died, and the majority of them were supposedly due to scurvy. Join us for another episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from Lancaster City Museums. I'm Millie Wellborn, a museum assistant for Lancaster City Museums. In this series, we're looking at 100 objects from Lancaster, Morecambe and the surrounding area to celebrate a century of our museums and to find out more about the past and how we relate to it now. Today's object takes us inside a ship in the 18th century and inside the sailors who crewed it. It can tell us about life and disease on board and how things have changed between then and now. Today's object is the ship's log of the Chatsworth, written by James Atkinson from 1783. The book is quite large. It measures 33 centimetres tall by 22 centimetres wide and contains over a hundred densely written pages. It is bound in dark brown leather with an embossed pattern of embellished squares and leaf designs on the front cover. At the centre is a rectangle of dark red leather which has written on it in gold, James Atkinson, Lancaster, 1783. Inside, most of the pages are divided up into columns of numbers and notes. Not every page is laid out the same, but in general they record the journeys of the Chatsworth. The log records details such as the bearing of the ship on a given date, the weather and distance travelled, as well as other notes about the crew. Sprinkled in amongst these daily recordings are mentions of disease and diet on the ship. The book seems to have been used for many years, from 1783 and into the early 1800s, with notes added by a few other people in the later years. We spoke to Dr John Worthington, Senior Lecturer in Infection Biology at Lancaster University, to find out more about the diet and diseases that could be found on board an 18th century ship, like the ones that are mentioned in this log. This is a ship's log from 1783 and it's from the Chatsworth ship and this is a ship that went over to Ireland initially and then over to the West Indies. And what I found really interesting about this log is as well as having many detailed weather (laughs) descriptions, it's also got lots about nutrition and also potential remedies for infections. And as someone who works on infectious agents and how nutrition affects that, I found this kind of really interesting to get that historical viewpoint. You've only got what you take on board the ship and one of the key things that I'm sure we were all aware of is scurvy and we all know the term lime is where the British would often take citrus fruits or juices on and that was known to help prevent scurvy and we kind of know that kind of interesting story but it's actually a really horrible disease so these limes contain vitamin C so scurvy is a deficiency of this vitamin And without that vitamin, we can't really produce it in our bodies. The collagen that makes up our tissues breaks down. So it's literally the scaffolding that holds us together starts to fall down. So we get fatigue at first. After about four weeks, with no vitamin C, start to get bruising. But then really horrible things like your teeth will just fall out of your gums and you will bleed a lot. So it it was really something that was horribly nasty, really. 
As John mentioned, many people have heard about the disease scurvy and that sailors on board ships like the Chatsworth used to combat it by eating limes and other citrus fruits. But not many of us know how it was originally discovered that eating citrus fruits could help combat the disease. It's actually one of the first clinical trials that ever took place, but it was actually uh, James Lind who was, um, in 1739, he was a surgeon's mate, so he was qualified and was actually on the ships and he could really see the devastation that this caused. So for example, it was thought to actually kill more people than the actual fighting between French and Spanish, for example. One trip, I think 1,400 people out of 1,900 died and the majority of them were supposedly due to scurvy. So if you can imagine you were you know, a surgeon on a ship, you were seeing pretty horrible things. And he wanted to really test why this was happening. So there's lots of ideas of remedies and things and some people did better than others. But he actually took 12 sailors on a ship who had scurvy and he's put them into six different groups. And then within the groups, he gave some cider, some vinegar, some sulfuric acid, some oranges and lemons, and then some spice and barley water. And then there was a control group who just got, I think it was half a pint of seawater. But all the rest of their diet was controlled, so it was really just seeing which element was the one that made a difference. And although the oranges and lemons ran out after about a week and a half, those patients became so well that they were able to help with the experiment and treat the others. They didn't know it was vitamin C at the time, but it was really found then that acidic oranges and such could make a difference. So how did this change things for sailors? And how would our sailors on the Chatsworth, which was an independent merchant ship rather than part of a bigger organisation like the Navy, be able to store enough citrus fruits for a long voyage? We know that this study originally took place in 1747, but it wasn't really well known. Even Lind himself thought it might be other factors. He was very unsure that it would just be one molecule in a fruit. He thought it might be cleanliness and clean water. He was very good in terms of preventing disease and wanted better conditions for the sailors, but even himself he wasn't too sure. So it wasn't actually until a rear admiral, uh, Alan Gardner, put juice on his ships in 1794 and then it became law in 1795 and he was a very popular admiral by that point. So he was the in-fashion person, so what he said kind of went. In terms of our ship, you know, the ship's log in 1783, it's not an admiral ship. They may have just heard on the grapevine, or the lime vine, I should say, that that might make a difference. Looking through the log, I could see many remedies, and one for cough, actually, it says it's proved serviceable for clearing cough, is lime and water. So that kind of tells us that they had limes on board, Although coughing isn't necessarily a sign of scurvy, anyone will have a cough day to day. They would might take a bit of lime juice and that would really prevent it. So short trips, we have some in our diet. Again, if you imagine the food they take on the ship, they will have plentiful things to start with and then you need to use things that can last longer as you go for longer distances. So to Ireland, you know, a week or so would be no problem, but it's really that long distance without any stocking of fresh vegetables and things. So that's around kind of four weeks that we'd expect that to really start hitting, at least in the, the mild form. And then as time progressed, it would get worse and worse those short trips where they have the fresh fruit and veg, that's going to be great. But then as we go longer, you know, how is that going to be preserved? And I think the preserve is the real key word, because again, in the log, there was lots of recipes of making gooseberry jam, cherry jam. And in terms of making jam, you know, it's a very high temperature, but we actually keep about 
half of the vitamin C within the jams and then their long-term stores really. They also had recipes for many different wine and mead but in that case you just lose pretty much all of the vitamin C. We do add vitamin C to beer production now but again that's added afterwards and they wouldn't have been, been doing that. So a lot of the luck might have been these preserve recipes. There was also another slightly less savoury story which sailors told about preventing scurvy. John told us a little bit more about that, as well as some of the other diseases that the sailors on the Chatsworth faced in both themselves and the animals that they had on board. Humans, we can't ourselves produce the vitamin C, but as well as observations that people who had citrus fruit seemed to do better, there were also stories that sailors who ate rats actually didn't get scurvy. So what we actually know now is that rats can produce their own vitamin C as well as many other animals. So it, it tends to be apes and such that might be evolutionary. We had lots of fruit as we evolved in the past, so we lost that ability. So it might be that rather than rats per se, that if there was any livestock on board over the long period, that could have also been an option and another way that they would have had their vitamin C reserves. With those conditions, obviously, they are crammed in together, close, closely associated. There's the potential for infectious diseases. So rather than things that we develop through a lack of nutrition, vitamins and such, they can get other infectious diseases, which is one of the things I work on. And again, within the book, there was many remedies for lots of these. They talk about things using turmeric, mustard and vinegar, chalk powder, also white lead. So again, something's not beneficial. Another remedy I found was for worm infections, as we, we call them helminths. And this was using the syrup of buckthorn. So it's quite likely that a lot of the livestock would have had these worm infections. And that can alter how much weight they can store and things. And which would obviously, again, in terms of livestock and farming, affect how much money they would make at market, depending on their size. So again, that was something that they were interested in to make sure they were kind of dewormed. A lot of the worms that you find in livestock are still around now, you know, on farms they will have breakouts. It's not always the case that the worms can infect people directly from other animals. We tend to have our own sort of specialised worm. Some, some can, but actually historically we will have all had worms within us so we often hear of things like the friendly bacteria in our guts we will have evolved over you know millions of years with worms in us all the time we hear things occasionally now young children can get things like threadworm that you can find uh, again things like nits and lice in children but we've lost a lot of those things that we evolved with over the years that can make a difference to how we respond to different infections John's work now looks into infectious diseases and parasites that people are dealing with in the modern world. Though we may have found easy ways to combat scurvy and other 18th century diseases, there are still many ailments that affect millions of people around the world. Part of the solution could be to take a leaf out of this logbook and research into how diet and nutrition can help us improve global health. If we look at the world as a whole, there's still a big problem of worm infections and it's actually thought around a third of the world is still infected with these kind of parasites, which can make a big difference to stunting growth, especially in children who t tend to be infected and how well they do at school as well. It can affect attention and such. And something we found that was really interesting is the role of diet. 
So when there was an infection with a worm called whipworm, this is something that buries into our epithelium of our guts and starts to produce loads and loads of eggs. And we found that a, a chronic infection, so something where the worm should stay in you, your immune system actually makes the wrong immune response. It recognises something's there, but rather than trying to attack a big worm with the right kind of troops from your army, if you think, it was trying to look at things that are hiding within cells, more kind of bacterial in response. And that's obviously great for bacteria, but it's no good for a big worm that's in your gut. But what we actually found was a high fat diet basically switched a molecule on some of our immune cells and that allowed them to then go down the right route and this was all driven by the diet itself. So we found that simply switching the diet the animals made the right immune response and then they could completely expel this infection. So it really showed how nutrition can alter immunity. And again, if you think that would be the case on these ships as well, people might have bad nutrition, not not just in terms of vitamins, but, you know, levels of fats and things that could affect your immune response. With the high fat diet, that makes a big difference on this particular worm infection. But there are actually different parasites, one called Trichinella spiralis, which infects the small intestine. We actually found that weight loss allows us to expel the parasite. So it's not as simple as just eating as much as you want and having as many takeaways as you like. You know, it's very precise to the infection that you've got. We need to think of the good things that we can take from this. So we, we've looked very precisely at how the high fat diet can alter your immune response and, and knowing what the factors are allows us to kind of purify the good bits from potentially the high fat diet and alter that so we can precisely find therapeutics that can help. As we mentioned with the vitamin C, we have lime juice, we have preserves and storage, but the fact that we were able to find precisely what that vitamin was. It was one of the first vitamins that was actually produced and purified. You know, you can easily have that tablet available. It doesn't take up as much space as the amount of preserves that we might have needed. So we can be a lot more precise in that. And that's what science is. It really is just purifying what precisely is it that does that. It's not always one factor, but if we can understand why and how, then we can really make a big difference and improve the welfare, which we obviously have done a lot since 1747. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 100 Years 100 Objects. We hope you will enjoy some of our other episodes where we talk about everything from portraits to padlocks.